Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's Tuesday, February 13th, 2018, and you know what that means. It means tomorrow's Valentine's Day, but for now, it means it's time to get nerdy, y'all. Welcome to episode number 59 of Two Nerds in a Pod, the nerdiest gaming podcast in the galaxy. I'm Lom, also known as Mr. Nice Guy, and I have my comrade in gaming commentary here with me, the miggity 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 Mac, also known as Maction. Mac, how are you, buddy? What's up? Uh, I'm doing good. I'm having a great time over here in the western United States. Um, how are you doing over there in the Midwest? Dude, I'm doing good, man. Um, I, I've never been better, actually. Life is fantastic. Uh, the snow is getting to me. Uh, but other than that, things are really, really good. I drive a, I drive a small sedan. I drive a Toyota Corolla. And it snowed last week, uh, and I almost died multiple times. But other than that, life has been fantastic. How are things uh, in uh, in good old the good old Midwest? Midwest, or the good old West, I should say, not the Midwest, the West. You know, I I, I don't want to spend too long on this, but really, when you think about it, where I am in Utah is, you know, I mean, the Midwest being, you know, Michigan and stuff like that. That just doesn't make any sense at all. I agree. I, I mean, it made sense when, of course, the United States stopped at the Mississippi, but uh, but it makes no sense now. So um, I'm with you. Yeah, rant rant over. But uh, but things are good. Um, it's been lovely, mild weather, um, and uh, yeah, work has been fun. My other exploits have been fun. I've been doing this thing lately. Uh, Mrs. The Max suggested that. Uh, that as I'm kind of considering a career in, you know, grabbing my PhD in chemistry and, uh, and, you know, doing teaching, she was like, Hey, why don't you try teaching some classes with, uh, you know, with a clientele that you already know is going to be kind of receptive. Sure. So, uh, I've been, instead of doing normal streams, I've been doing a sort of, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, one hour, um, lec- science lecture on my own personal channel. How, instead have, they, of how have they been going? Stuff. Um, you know, it's been going pretty well. Uh, I, I'm trying. I'm actually teaching from the very notes uh, from classes. So, like for example, um, a, a class that I might have taken. Uh, I'll just take the notes. I'll see if I can. I'll try and like scour the internet for powerpoints. From, like, other instructors or things like that. Like, there's this instrumental analysis class, so it's basically about how all the science instruments work and function. Uh And I got PowerPoints from uh, uh, from this university in Taiwan that had PowerPoints for the class, but they were in English. Um, so, yeah, so it's really been kind of fun trying to teach it. I mean, it's definitely a very niche sort of thing, and not a lot of people are into it, so, you know, it's not like they'll be offering me a partnership, you know, on Twitch anytime soon for all the myriads of people who are coming to me from this, but, you know, it's been really kind of fun and a good way to sort of experiment with the idea of, of teaching as a profession before I drop, you know, years of time and several tons thousands of, of money. Thousands of dollars, yeah. Exactly. Thousands of dollars in getting a PhD in chemistry. So, Smart. but it's been fun so far. I guess the only downside could be maybe I fall in love with it and then, uh, you know, and then have to spend that time and those thousands of dollars to get a PhD so I can actually do it. So, yeah, yeah you could it's just heavy. do it on Twitch, just get a get a um, donate button. Ooh, and yeah. just teach unofficially, you know what I mean? Ooh. Teach unofficially. Answer that could be fun. Answer questions that people have for their upcoming exams. You could do it that way, man. Oh, yeah. Bring me bring us your study guides and we'll uh and we'll do them together online. I don't know. Maybe maybe could be something. Could but be. Uh, but that's kind of that's kind of all the new stuff in my uh, in my neck of the woods. Dude, so things are real good over here, man. I had a couple shows this weekend, uh, stand-up comedy, and they were both sold out. It was amazing. They were down in Moments, Illinois. And this is where the snow came into play, Mac, because I drove down. The first show was at 6, second show was at 8, started mm-hmm. showing snowing about 10, and I, I, I knew it was going to snow at 10, and I thought, oh, I'll be out of there in, in plenty of time to drive the hour back to my house. Show started at 8.30, a little bit late, the second show. 
Um, mm-hmm. Things happen. By the time I'm leaving, it's 10, 30, 11 o'clock, and the snow is really coming down. And my good old friend, the Toyota Corolla, just wasn't up to the challenge. So, like I said, I almost died multiple times. But on a positive note, the show, the crowd was absolutely amazing. Like, it's one of those dream crowds where, like, everything you're saying is hitting. All the comedians on the show are doing well. Uh, it was in, like, a basement of this business. So, like I said, it seated about 40 or 50 people. Just an intimate crowd. Um, it was one of those crowds where, at one point, I actually called them fat, and I got, a, like, an applause break. Um, <laughs> because they, they were just that receptive to everything I was saying. So, it was like mm-hmm. a dream, man. Uh, preparation for things to come. Mac, on that note, I say we do what we do best. And, we and get into the gaming news? I was going to say try to take over the world. but Oh, uh, okay. Well, that's what we do on Monday nights. That's right. But what, what we do every other night, Pinky, is oh, try right. to take over the world. Is Actually, it's gaming news. Let's do it. Um, welcome to the podcast, you guys. This is episode number 59 of Two Nerds in a Pod, which means we are 59% of the way to 100 episodes. Let's start with some news stories. Oh, and I just closed one of them, but that's okay. So let's start with, uh, we got a lot of cool stuff. Let's start with uh, my favorite game, Monster Hunter. Uh, this is on GameSpot. It says the first part of Monster Hunter World's Horizon Zero Dawn crossover event is now over, meaning PS4 players can no longer get the Watcher gear set for their Palico. However, the second part of the event is on the way in a couple weeks, and now Capcom has shared some more details on how to help or, excuse me, some more details to help players prepare for it. The next Horizon event-themed quest is called The Proving. While we don't know exactly what the quest will entail, Capcom has revealed that it involves hunting down a giant anginath. Uh, it's basically like a big T-Rex, for those of you who don't play. <clears throat> You'll also be- need to reach Hunter rank 11 or higher before you can accept the quest. The Proving begins on February 28th and runs until March 5th. Completing the quest will reward you with the materials to create alloys, bow, and armor, which you can take a look at above. Equipping alloys armor will change your appearance to look like the Horizon protagonist, regardless of your hunter's gender. Mac, I know you don't play this game, but I also told you that I think you might like it if you gave it a shot. Did you get to check it out on Twitch, YouTube, or is it pretty much just me talking your ear off about it and that's your only experience with it? I have checked out nothing, Mr. Nice Guy. I am the worst. You're a busy man. I would say check the game out. If you're not feeling it, then you don't got to spend money on it. But it is coming to PC if you decide it's a game you think you'd like. Because it really is co-op based. Um, Mm -hmm. I know that you're a co-op guy. I think this game could be right up your alley for several hundred hours of entertainment. Because it's a really good game. Uh, Let's check out the next... Um, also, oh, by the way, Mac, they may have a Mega Man crossover in this game. So Mega Man-themed armor at some point. Not that that huh. would draw you in, but I know you're a Mega Man guy, so that may be be something you could be into. Next news story, also on GameSpot, uh, dealing with Sony and PSN names. It says, for reasons that remain unclear, Sony has never allowed anyone to change their PSN name. But now, a news survey making the rounds suggests that Sony may finally allow you to. The website Push Square has obtained a Sony survey that states that Sony has been, quote, exploring the possibility of adding a feature to PSN that lets users change their ID. According to the survey, players would be able to change their PSN ID multiple times for free, though only once every six months. Under the proposed system, if you changed your name and wanted to revert to your original tag, you would have to get in touch with Sony's customer support team. The survey, at least the information, blah, 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 blah. We're not going to read all that. Uh, Mac, let's take a trip down memory lane, man, because I know that we all, even if you don't have PlayStation, we've all had some dumb usernames uh, or dumb email addresses or dumb nicknames. I know what mine are, and I'm going to talk about them, but I want you to think about some of yours, and then we'll, we'll share them here on, on the stream. So uh, for some reason, when I was a kid, I thought I was really smart, and so... My email address at one point was Mr. Superior um, at yahoo.com. I'm embarrassed about that to this day. That's a, that's a ridiculous email address for a 13-year-old to have. Also, AOL Instant Messenger, if any of you are old enough to remember that, um, I, I had a, um, a name that was IceCube20202. I think IceCube1985 was taken. I think IceCube2000 was taken. 
So I just started typing in random numbers and came up with Ice Cube 20202. Now, where did I get the name Ice Cube 202? 202? Because I used to be a huge fan of the rapper Ice Cube. Uh, and so I decided that would be the name that I wanted people to know me by. We've all made mistakes. Those are mine. Mac, any ones that you want to share with the people? Um, yeah, I guess one. Um, so back in the day, I was a huge fan of the, um, of the series, oh gosh, Soul Reaver, if you're familiar with that one. Um, uh, so in Soul Reaver, uh, you are, it, it sounds kind of strange to say it this way, but you are an undead vampire, and in most, uh, in most settings, vampires are a subset of the undead, but this is like, you know, this is more like a vampire that's killed and then becomes more or less, uh, um, an avatar of death. And anyway, so you go around, you go around, uh, uh collecting souls, Okay. Um, but uh, but in Soul Reaver, your name is Raziel, or yeah, Raziel is is the name of the main character. And um, y- if you were to peg uh, an occupation on him, you could basically call him a vampire hunter. So at one point in time, I had an old uh, an old email address that was Raziel Vampire Hunter, um, and uh, uh, yeah, I think that is. And I had that one for a long time. As a matter of fact, I think I still had it until something like, um, like 2009. Uh, but then I didn't log on to it for long enough that the email account got deactivated. So, uh, so it's so it's gone now. But uh, but yeah, but that's kind of the only one I can think about. Um, that's a good oh, one, dude. That's a very specific example. Like, you chose that email based on a very specific thing. Yeah, well, and there was one other one. I did, at one point in time, um, get an email address that was you don't want my address. Um, and that was another fun one. Although, I don't think that's quite so embarrassing as it was just a touch cheeky. So, <laughs> so yeah. But as for bad usernames... The thing of it is, Mr. Nice Guy, is that I didn't play a lot of games. You know, being somebody who stuck mostly to the uh, non-internet-enabled games, I didn't really need much of a username for a long time until long about uh, 2005, 2007, right in there, uh, when I started playing games that required that. And I think the big one that comes to mind would be Left 4 Dead 1 on the 360. And that... By that time, I already had Maction, um, you know, because, of course, as you know, the username given to me by Carlos Santana. So, yeah, we had to, I had to stick with that. So, basically, ever since usernames have been a vital component of gaming for me, uh, I have been Maction. So, I I don't really have that many regrets, but, uh, but, you know, I'm glad you're such a, such a fan of Ice-T. Or was it Ice Cube? It was Ice Cube. Yeah. Ice Cube. Yeah. They're there different go. people, Max. They are different people. One of them is, uh, is, I mean, one of them's on Ice Tea is fantastic. Yeah, one the of them's on Law and Order, movies. and he serves a vital role on that show. He's the stand-in for all of us who don't know what all the jargon is. That's exactly and right. And I think John Mulaney is absolutely right with everything he says about Ice Tea. He's brilliant. Um. Now, side note, actually, we'll talk about that later. Um, well, fantastic. Welcome, everyone who's stream or who's uh, filtering into the stream. Uh, thanks for being here for the live show. We appreciate you very much. We're going to continue with the gaming news. All right. Now, I was going to ask you, Mac, what the craziest username is that you've ever seen, but you don't do a lot of online gaming. I can say without a doubt the most ridiculous username that I've ever seen online was Booty Sweat. Um, that's right, I was playing Goldeneye uh, on the Wii, and there was a character whose name was Booty Sweat. Or rather, a person who had chosen that as their online name. So, whenever you killed him uh, in the game, it would say, you just killed Booty Sweat. Or when you got shot, it would say, you were just killed by Booty Sweat. Which, I don't know if that's something that's actually lethal, but uh, the name was interesting. Anyway, moving on. Um, (laughs) 
So I have I have a story here about loot boxes, and it's kind of a legal story. So is this going to be your legalese, Mac? I want to make sure that we're not covering something you're going to cover later. It's highly unlikely. Okay, so this is on GameRant.com. It says, Democrative... I think it's meant to say... It's supposed to say Democratic, uh, but it says Democrative... State Representative for Hawaii, Chris Lee, has been one of the key figures in the ongoing debate about video game loot boxes and whether they constitute gambling. Late last year, Lee launched an investigation investigation into loot boxes and vowed to work on legislation in order to regulate the business model. Now Lee's efforts have a significant step forward. Taken a significant step forward. Lee has submitted two pairs of bills to the United States House and Senate. The first pair of bills, House Bill 2686 and Senate Bill 3024, proposes a ban on the sale of games with loot boxes to anyone under the age of 21. Retailers would be prohibited from selling any game that features a system that offers randomized rewards under these pieces of legislation. Lee and his colleagues have previously spoken about this sort of legislation, saying that their proposed bills would include language so that they would affect digital game retailers as well as retailers that sell physical games. They want to change this for everyone, with no way around it. I'm not going to read about the second pair of bills, um, but basically it says that they would require games that have loot boxes to disclose a warning that says, Warning. Contains in-game purchases and gambling-like mechanisms which may be harmful or addictive. The bill states that these predatory mechanisms can present the same psychological, addictive, and financial risks as gambling. And they would also cite the controversial report by the World Health Organization that suggested that excessive gaming is a mental health disorder. Mac, uh, do you have any thoughts on this? Or Well, Mr. Here, nice here's, guy. here's a question. Do you think it's gambling? <laughs> that, here's a basic question. Do you think that loot boxes constitute gambling? I think that the key component of the gambling definition is not so much that, uh, or at least the accepted definition that I've mostly encountered, is that there is no, not that there's no guarantee that you'll have a return, but that it is one hundred, that there's no guarantee on a return, and it's based one hundred percent in chance. Well, that's the definition. You're saying that's the definition of gambling. Uh, yeah, the definition of gambling that I'm, you know, and that's sort of a loose, non-specific definition there, but the definition of gambling that, uh, I, I think those words more or less capture what it is to be engaged in some sort of a gambling activity. Hmm. It needs to have, um, it needs to have no, uh, no guarantee of bringing, giving you something back, but not just that, but like... Um, a likelihood of you getting nothing, often a very high likelihood, like, for example, the Powerball or whatever, or any of those lotteries. You pay money, there is no guarantee, and there's likely, you know, you are likely not going to receive anything back from it. Um, So I kind of feel like with loot boxes, sure, there's this difference where maybe you don't receive good things but you do receive some kind of even if it's digital something from a loot box no loot boxes are empty is what i'm getting at is is that fair dude that's a brilliant i never even thought of it that way that's a really really good way of looking at it you're paying for something and you are guaranteed to get something is Mm -hmm. what you're saying so it's it's not gambling in the traditional sense i think that's a great argument anything else you want to add to that um, well, as you know, Mr. Nice Guy, um, uh, before I made my diversion into chemistry, I spent some time in the psychology field, and uh, I am, in general, not a big fan of the tendency to uh, what I think is um, sort of, gosh, the words are failing me today, but um, to over, uh, to make things... To make too many things, uh, deviations, illnesses, sicknesses, uh, to make things that might be pretty normal, uh, to pathologize them, I think is the is the term I'm looking for. But to take something that might be pretty normal, pretty run of the mill, or pretty universal, 
and say that there's, you know, that this is a disorder or this is an illness. Sure. But rather, I, I think, I, I think that doing that often misses the bigger point of that almost anything can be bad for you if you are doing it too much. Sure. And we don't need a video gaming addiction. We just need a, you know, we just need uh, something more general for habitual behavior. Um, I, I dislike the, you know, I, I dislike the sort of let's, we've got a disorder for this and a disorder for that and a disorder for that uh, because a lot of them come down to when you hook people up to, you know, uh, you, you hook them up onto the to the brain scannings, uh, most all of it runs the same pathways. So from a by from a neurochemical standpoint, there's not that much difference, and from a behavioral standpoint, there's not all that much difference either yeah. between these various things. So do we really need to? St- anyway, sorry, I went on you're far good, too man. long about that. No, you're fine, buddy. And and I say we end on that note. I think that's a great analysis of the situation. Um, and on that note, we're done with the gaming news, Mac. Next segment, we'll turn it over to you, buddy. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, as you know, our next segment, what we like to talk about is, uh, is since we've taken a look at the things going on around us right now, let's take a look uh, somewhat into the past. And Mr. Nice Guy, this past week was a great, a great, great week for gaming history. Awesome. Um, and I think, uh, I think because I don't want all mention to go directly to Nintendo and these classic games that I'm going to rattle off, um, I think it's worth noting a very good uh, sequel to a fantastic game. Oregon Trail 2 uh, was released in 1995 for the PC. Uh, of course, I'm sure that you, Mr. Nice Guy, as well as I, have more fond memories toward the first Oregon Trail. Uh, but the second Oregon Trail did have a lot of cool things going for it. It was one of those games that, sure, it was a sequel, but it did a really good job of not, uh, tr- uh, you know, of trying to build upon the things that the previous one got right, you sure. know? Uh, you had very much similar sorts of things. They implemented a sort of passive system of, you know, you had a occupation, which gave you better odds on certain things that normally had RNG. So they would bias that RNG upwards. Like, for example, if your profession you had chosen at the outset as being, say, a doctor, then you would have a much higher likelihood of recovering from diseases, you and your party along the Oregon Trail. You could also uh, select different... Uh, years to go. You had, I think, the option of 20 different years that you could make the trip, uh, which made large differences in things. Um, so, made so, a yeah, difference so, on how many times you'd get dysentery, basically. That was one of the yeah. things you could die of in that game, was dysentery. Ab- absolutely. Snake I bites. argue it's probably one of the most famous methods of death. There are t-shirts that just have that little that little yep. icon there and say you have died of dysentery, That's right. and I would wear one of those absolutely. Um, <clears throat> so I'd Oregon wear one Trail to a team. job interview. Did you? No, I, I wouldn't. I was just kidding. I oh, okay. I was going to say I wonder if they I wonder if they recognized it. Um, uh, you know, there was yeah, yeah, story for another time. Um, so we do have a few more. Uh, for example, I think uh, this game, which was released in 1997 for the Nintendo 64, was really, I wouldn't say my first introduction to couch co-op, but it was certainly um, it was certainly the one that I, or I should say couch head-to-head. Sure. Uh, but it was certainly the one that stands out in my mind as well as many people's, and that is Mario Kart 64. Oh, yeah. Classic. Oh yeah, is fantastic, and uh, and it was it was really well done. And of course, the Nintendo sixty four being it was either the first or one of the first that came with four controller ports built into the console itself. That that really lent itself to couch co op slash couch head to head play. Yep. And Mario Kart sixty four. If I may share just this uh, this wonderful moment that occurred, I want to say in 2009. So um, I was uh, I was uh, at my parents' house at this time, and uh, 
we cracked out the old retro consoles for a sort of retro console night, you know. Yeah. Um, a bunch of us, you know, a, a bunch of the kids. And so there we are. Uh, we're playing Mario Kart 64. And this is, you know, 2009 or so. And my dad walks into the room and he looks at the television and he looks at the room and he looks at the television again and then he mumbles to himself the graphics these days and walks back out of the room um and uh you know bless his heart the man uh you know i i don't know why he thought that those graphics were impressive but i think i have to agree with him the graphics on these things these days (laughs) they've held up so well as well oh yeah absolutely (laughs) <laughs> um, so on the subject of things, uh, uh, um, uh, n- nope, that pun's not going to work. Um, the next one I have for you is, was released in 1999 for the Nintendo 64 Mario Party. So, uh, the first Mario Party, of course, has some amount of, uh, uh of notoriety being that people successfully sued Nintendo for hurting their hands on the minigames. I did not know this. Yes, and not only did they successfully sue Nintendo for that, Nintendo provided for free anybody who asked for them gloves. Nintendo provided gloves for you to play Mario Party. Um, and I believe it arose from the fact that you had to uh, you had to hold the analog stick and you had to uh, spin it around real fast. And I believe maybe the game itself advised you to put it in the palm of your hand and crank it around, but people got some really gnarly blisters doing that. So um, it's not the first time that somebody's hurt themselves playing a video game. I'm sure it won't be the last. A little bit of foreshadowing. Um, but, uh, but yeah, definitely, definitely noteworthy. It got better in the later sequels, but, uh, but those mini games. And then the third one, and I want to end on this note because it has not only some cool history, but some also recent history, uh, for me. And that is Super Mario Brothers 3 was released just a couple of days ago. In 1990, for the Nintendo Entertainment System, um, Super Mario Bros. 3, regarded by many to be in the top few games of all time. Uh, Mr. Nice Guy, I can tell you have some very fond memories of Super Mario Bros. 3, if you care to share anything. Dude, so the memory that I have is uh, coming downstairs on Christmas morning, and uh, my parents let us go down and then they realized they didn't have the camera and they liked to record it so my brother and I ran in the room we looked under the tree and they were like oh wait 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 wait, wait. we want to get a we want to get this on video but we had already looked under the tree and we had already seen that in, there was an unwrapped um, from Santa Claus Super Mario Brothers 3 box uh, and we knew even when we went back out the room for them to get the camera that it was going to be the best Christmas ever because mm-hmm. that game is amazing. Um, original cartridge for the Nintendo system, inter- Entertainment System. Still have it. Put so many hours into that game. It's not boring today. It's still held up so well. Um, it's just a fun game to take a trip down memory lane and uh, and use some warp whistles. It, it will never get old. And I would say that it might be the best Mario game ever made. Um, I, I think it might be. So those are my memories of it. Playing it with my brother. Having a good time. Well, there are definitely many who would agree with you. Um, <clears throat> I have a more recent memory that's been made in that uh, uh, in that Mrs. The Mac has recently beaten all by herself World 1 of uh, Mario 3, um, which makes me... I know. That's it awesome. makes me insanely proud um, because... And, and the thing that's funny is that she is fantastic at... Uh, Crash Bandicoot 3. I mean, a 3D platformer, I would argue Crash Bandicoot 3 is more difficult than Super Mario Bros. 3, but uh, but she's she's improving. Um, but you know, Mr. Nice Guy, how I like to do those things where I'll make all the perlers yes, from, a, uh, yes, from a thing? Um, uh, so, much like when I did it for the Mega Man things, um, I started stockpiling, you know, stockpiling uh, the enemies from Super Mario Bros. 3. And uh, when did I see a, a Goomba in a boot? 
Oh yeah, Goomba in a boot. You better believe it. Dude, that sounds like an awesome name for an indie band. Goomba in a boot. Okay, okay, but uh, but so, it, are you calling dibs on that band name, or or am I, if or are I we ever, just letting that hang in the air for anybody? Career, it'll be in nerdcore hip hop. So that name is all yours, man. Okay, okay, cool, cool. Just wanted to make sure that we knew that we know knew who gets it with Goomba the nerdcore band. But uh, but I'm also going to do the same thing, but this time with the fun twist is that I'll probably, Mrs. The Mac and I will probably play it together um, nice. and, you know, and raffle away the perlers as she kills Please that Please let enemy. me know when you guys do this. Oh, don't you worry. It, it's going to take some time because, you know, way I see it, Mrs. The Mac needs a little bit more practice. Once she can beat, like, all the worlds on her own, you know what I mean? When she can take out... Uh, uh, King Bowser on her own. Yeah. Then, uh, yeah. then, then we'll be ready. We'll be ready to do it to take it out doubles. But, uh, but yeah. Anyway, so there's our little bit of gaming history. I mean, just titans. Mario Kart 64, Mario Party, Super Mario Brothers 3. February was a good month for gaming. That's right. Fantastic. Now, kids, we're gonna take it. Uh, to our next segment, which is called the topic of the week, where we talk about something that's relevant today in gaming, and we may debate about it, we may just discuss it, but we are going to talk about it, and we want your opinions in the chat for those of you who are here live. Um, let me pull this up. People are texting me while I'm trying to do the show. It's going to have to wait, guys. Sorry about that. Okay, so here's the story. This one comes from Game Rant. And it's about Ubisoft, which if you guys know me, you know I'm a huge Splinter Cell fan, and Ubisoft is one of my favorite gaming companies. We've told the story like ten times, how we went to E3 and met some Ubisoft people. So we're not going to tell it again. Uh, But here's the article. It says, 2017 was a strong year for Ubisoft. The publisher released several hit games with the likes of Assassin's Creed Origins, Mario plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle, South South Park, The Fractured But Whole, and a new IP for Honor All Making Bank. Uh, It may come as a huge surprise then that Ubisoft actually plans to release fewer games in the future. Ubisoft discussed its new business strategy during its latest financial briefing. In a statement, Ubisoft CEO Yves Guillemont, Guillemont, uh, I hope I pronounced that right, explains that, quote, Ubisoft's success reflects the industry's move towards a model that is less dependent on releasing new games. New releases now only represent a part of our business, which is now focused on long-term engagement with our player communities. Gimo uh, also notes that, quote, our players not only play for more hours at a time, but do so over a period of months or even years, and that player engagement has dramatically increased thanks to its multiplayer titles. Um, and then there's some charts that back this up, and it goes on to kind of give some commentary on it. So, Mac, here's what he's saying. He's saying that there's no longer a need for companies to release annual, well, maybe he didn't say annual franchises specifically, but he's saying there's no need for companies to release as many games if the player base stays with the games that they are releasing for longer. Um, This concept of games as a service, games like Grand Theft Auto, games like Call of Duty, games like Monster Hunter, where you can extend the life of the game, games like Destiny, games like Overwatch, uh, where you can extend the life of a game by adding DLC, by continually updating the game and making sure people stay engaged, may be the new path. What are your thoughts, man? Do you want more games, or do you want more support for the existing games? You can take your time and think about it, man. It's not an easy question, and I know that you're not a console guy. Um, So PCs typically are already on this path, right? PC games. The player base for games like Counter-Strike has been around for over a decade, so... Um, But what do you think about this movement in the gaming industry as a whole? So, I really enjoy... uh, I really enjoy games not of the same franchise. Um, So, I... I kind of feel like if the movement is more towards more support of games or a longer term support of games I feel that the overall trend will be toward the franchises that I honestly don't care much about mm. um, so Call of Metal's Duty Honor <laughs> um, and uh, actually Call of Duty was a bad example because they release it annually but I get what you're saying 
Yeah, or I mean, as much as you may, as much as I know you love it, um, the uh, the sports ball games. Sure. Um, also, not a big fan of the sports ball games, and so I feel like because I know that there is a lot of uh, that there's a lot of user base um, in those games. Um, I think if the movement is toward longer term support, I you know support things. I mean, the nice thing is, is that we won't have games just literally dying. And in a world, in a world, in a world where video games disappear from the world when the servers are terminated, <laughs> um, that it that is a nice thing because I would rather no games be completely destroyed, um, or at least I would prefer that as few games as possible be completely destroyed by lack of servers. Um, and that's just a whole big can of worms. So, I, I mean, I think there's some good things about it, but I feel like if that's the direction that the trend goes, that what I want to see in gaming, which is more games in, uh, you know, in more styles, in more genres, uh, not all the same IP, so that we can experiment with things. Because you lock yourself into an IP then you can't really change things up anymore. A great example is that there are oh there are games where um, it would have been a good game independent you know if it had been released as just a game, but because it was released as a Final Fantasy game or it was released as a uh, this um, franchise game, it suffers because of expectations sure, when that's a good point. they want to take it in a different direction. So I like seeing things with different directions. Uh, I And I think that it is a uh, commodity or it is a quality of video games that is often um, not considered very frequently. But uh, uh, so I kind of see this as a bad thing. My, my mind's jumping immediately to the Oh no, I'm not going to get any games aside from the FPSs and the sports ball games. Which, uh, you know, I'm probably making mountains out of molehills, but uh, but I don't know what to think about this, Mr. Nice Guy, except but to be very afraid. Be very afraid. Well, you know, I, I think it's a good thing. I'm going to argue that it's a good thing. Um, I definitely see what you guys are saying in the chat, and I see that there are disadvantages, but think about esports. Um, it'll be fun to be able to watch players play a game for more than a year, right? Rather than, you know, with Call of Duty where they have to learn the maps of a new new Call of Duty every year and learn the new control scheme and learn the killstreaks and learn all these things. Um, even though I guess killstreaks are often turned off in esports, but you get my point. Um, and, and also, you know, as I get older, I just don't have the time to play all of the games that come out. You know, if, if I could buy three to five games a year and just play those games, I would be happy. But the reality is, is that we live in a time where so many good games are coming out. Now, I'll, I'll kind of give you guys some background. So uh, maybe a couple years ago, I kind of stopped playing M-rated games. Uh, and the reason is just, you know, I have kids and I don't want to be playing violent games in the house and a lot of other reasons that are personal. Now, at first I thought I would kind of have to give up gaming because I thought, well, no one's really making games that are rated anything other than M that are actually good. But there has actually been a boom of really, really good, high-quality games to play. There's Monster Hunter. There's PUBG. Um, there's NBA 2K, which I don't play anymore, but it's still an okay game. Um, there's Fortnite. There is Mario Odyssey. There's Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. There's Horizon Zero Dawn. I mean, 2017 was just an unbelievable year for games in general, uh, and I didn't have time to play them all. I, I still have not even purchased Horizon Zero Dawn. So I guess my point is, as a gamer who's getting older, I wouldn't mind if I could just have a couple go-to games that I could play for a really long time and not feel like I'm missing out on all this other stuff just due to a lack of time. You know, centrally focus my time on a couple games that are awesome, dump several hundred hours into them over the course of many years, and just be happy and have a group of friends who are on and who are playing it. And that's another reason why I think it's good to have just a few games out there, because every time I get on my PlayStation or I get on my, um, my Xbox and I want to play with friends, 
I have, let's say I have 10 friends on each console that I, I'm really close with and a bunch of other acquaintances. Those 10 friends might all be playing 10 different games. And it's not just because they have different tastes in games, it's because there are so many good games out there, it's hard to get a group of people to play a game and play it consistently. I think that this move that Ubisoft is making of just producing a few games and supporting them for a long time will, uh, will bring that back, where I have a group of friends and we all want to play one or two games rather than, than 10 or 11. So that's my thoughts. I don't know if you have anything else on this, Mac. Um, there's some really good comments in the chat, uh, but you know, I think we're right on schedule. We did read them. We don't want you to think we're ignoring you, uh, but we're probably going to move on to our next segment. That was our topic of the week. Mac, I'll give it to you, bud. All right, so as you know, we like to take a look at crowdfunding. And by we, I mean me. Mr. Nice Guy's pretty uh, pretty ambivalent. I like to look at crowdfunding things because I believe in crowdfunding as has, a method uh, for getting what, What's that game that you're waiting for to be released? Chasm. Has it yes. come out yet, Mac? It's crowdfunded. Nope. You still believe it's coming? Absolutely. That reminds um, me, at the end of the show, I want to tell you about a game that I think you'll like. But we'll get to that later. Oh, Go ahead, awesome. Go okay. ahead buddy. So, um, uh, so uh, where was I? Oh, right, 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 right. So, crowdfunding. We like to, in this segment, take a look at some things that are up for crowdfunding, discuss some of the virtues, some of the vices, and at the end, not only will we, Mr. Nice Guy and I, give our deliberation whether or not we think it should be kicked to the curb because it's garbage, or whether we think it should be kick-started because it's worth some money, uh, but we'll also ask you to weigh in on what you think about it. Uh, for those of you who are here with us right now for the live recording, I'll be dropping that link into the He's chat so that, that you can link. take a look, and uh, and you can you know kind of read along with us. So this game is called Exantra World, I think is how it's supposed to be pronounced. But what is it? It's a fitness RPG. Now, this is actually something that I have been waiting for good implementations because it says the first RPG combining fitness and mobile gaming, and I absolutely disagree uh, because some years back I participated in a, um, I played a game called Zombies Run, which uh, on the face of it might not seem like there was much in the way of an RPG segment, but um, you stepped into the role of a supplies runner for a community after the zombie apocalypse. Um, zombies would chase you, you would have to run away, um, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to explain, but it was really wonderful, and the whole time as you were running, you know, you would play your music on your headphones, and then every so often it would, you know, your music would die down to a very low level, and someone from the community would be on the radio talking to you and giving you instructions on like, you know, oh, we need, you know, we need some of this. Be sure to keep your eyes open for this. And this whole beautiful story unfolded. Um, now, it didn't have as much input from you as a player, except for whether or not you cleared the mission and got to continue the story. So it was a little light on the, uh, on the interactivity but I would certainly take issue with this game characterizing itself as an RP as the first RPG because I really feel like Zombies Run uh, should take the title of first. But anyway, that taken care of. The idea is that there is a uh, that this is a sci-fi world in the future. You've come back to the planet Earth, and um, you use this application slash game to more or less plan out your um, uh, to plan out your your workouts and for successfully completing your workouts you basically get these RPG like rewards so it's a combination of an RPG with your fitness tracker whether or whatever type of fitness tracker you use in order to um, in order to grind for stats rewards and things and improve the uh, and improve your performance in the game itself uh which i think is really really a good good idea uh their hope is to have this game 
be able to interface with multiple wearables. So they do specifically have an Apple Watch. They have a few different Fitbits, um, a couple different uh, uh, different things here. And then uh, they spend some time talking about how sure you can do weightlifting in order to, uh, you know, do those things, or you can do cardio. Um, and from what I gather of the thing mechanically, uh, you will basically kind of select which type of workout you're doing, so that your fitness tracker, you know, so that the fitness tracker in conjunction with the app gives you the sort of, you know, uh, the sort of reward for that type of thing. So you do your, uh, you know, you do your cardio, that improves your character's stamina. You do your weightlifting, that improves your character's strength, and so on and so forth. Um, overall, though, they're looking for 15000 to make the uh, to make the app itself, um, and their uh, stretch goal for... Uh, coding the thing for Android is 100,000. Um, I can understand why you might uh, ask a little bit more to code for Android because the uh, system architecture is a lot less unified than Apple. But uh, but honestly, asking 90,000 extra dollars to support uh, to support the second most popular uh, mobile operating system is kind of silly in just my just my just my take yeah, on yeah i'd agree with you there anyway so um there's some more things that you can talk about it but uh uh but uh it of course follows and kind of hits the usual rpg style things but with the interesting you know but with the interesting take that it's by uh that it's by working out that you do your grinding and stat grinding rather than uh rather than other things now, a couple of things that have me worried about it is that there are a lot of there are a lot of uh, a lot of cool visuals um, and a lot of interesting ideas, but there's not much in the way of uh, you know there's not much in the way of anything actually being you know being presented from a hey look this already works standpoint. Um, in this, you'll be getting beta access, which is which is cool, um, but I mean, you know me, Mr. Nice Guy, I'm always a little bit hesitant to go with something if I don't see, um, in this case, maybe not a playable demo, but at least some sort of a, you know, some sort of a working prototype type thing. I think the idea is solid, but I'm concerned about the implementation is what I'm getting. Yeah, so I mean, I, man, someone actually said it in the chat. Uh, they said that not a lot of gamers are concerned with physical fitness. I think that's a little bit of overgeneralization, but I do agree that the demographic that would be excited about a mobile RPG is not people who are at the gym all day. Well, uh, let me uh, let me just rebut by saying that I hate running with a fiery red passion, right? But when I tried out that uh, that zombies run thing, I was it was back during the YouTube days when I was doing <clears throat> um, when I was you know doing reviews of stuff. So that's kind of how I got there. But uh, but I started doing it thinking I'd do it for a week. I did it for I would have kept doing it. I got to the point where I was running about five kilometers each uh, you know each time I went out for a run, five kilometers almost daily because I was having a good time and there was enough content there that I blew through a month of doing 5k each day by by the time I hit the end of the month the downside was is that there was an update to my uh, there was an update to the app that uh, that broke it with my phone now to be fair my phone it was a very very old phone and uh, you know and and the support just wasn't there anymore but that being said uh, if that had kept going, I would have continued running, even though I hate running with a fiery red passion. So I actually, as someone who uh, who kind of got into it, you know, got into a fitness RPG app just to kind of see what was going on with it, and completely fell in love, um, you know, 
I, is, is it, uh, no, 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 it's February 13th. I can use the L word today, yes. <laughs> I can I can do that because we're close to Valentine's Day. But, uh, but I just fell in love with it, and I feel like that there's, I can see where this would be really, really cool. I'm just really worried about the implementation. I don't think... I don't think that it's too niche, basically, is what I'm saying. Huh. Okay. But maybe I'm just too blinded by my own being inside of that uh, that subset of people who would be interested. I do think it would get some get a lot more people out to the gym. But uh, but that being said, um, I'm going to give my deliberation and say that I think this should be kicked. I'm too worried about the implementation. Um, I wish them the best of luck, but $100,000 for Android support kind of has me, uh, and I'm a little bit worried about their, about their model on this game, because it doesn't really look, I, I see here under the $5 pledge, you know, get five months access to the bait, into the beta and reserve your username, uh, which, uh, if it's set up to have a sort of monthly access, that does kind of worry me. One of the things that I did like about the zombies run thing was that you just bought the app and then and then you had it, which was which was really nice. So uh, I'm I'm a little bit not on board with the sort of monthly type thing that they've got going on there, or that might have going on there. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe I'm making a mountain out of a molehill. Yeah, I'm going to kick it too, man. I, I mean, I, I've gotten more into working out lately, but I don't think this would motivate me to work out more. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. So I, I just don't think this is that unique of an idea. I'm glad that they're almost getting funded because maybe they can prove me wrong. Uh, but I'm just going to say kick. Uh, I don't I don't like this. <laughs> and it looks like people in the chat agree. So Yeah, yeah, I'm not surprised. So, well, there you go. I think uh, the votes are in. We should kick this. It's not that it's a bad idea. It's just that it might have implementation issues, I think. But, uh, But yeah, that's all I had for our kick or kickstart segment. Awesome. Well, guys and girls and kids, it's time for my favorite segment of the show. It's time for the main event, the dummy of the week. Week, week, week where we talk about somebody who did something stupid, idiotic, or downright dumb, and we make fun of them. So this one's not that much funny. It's just interesting, and I thought it was kind of dumb. This is on PC Gamer. Uh, It says, Employers typically frown upon using company resources for personal gain, and some scientists at a nuclear weapons facility in Russia are finding out the hard way. Apparently, the scientists used a supercomputer at the facility to mine cryptocurrency and were subsequently arrested. BBC reports, quote, there has been an unsanctioned attempt to use computer facilities for private purposes, including so-called mining, Tatiana Zaleskaya, a head of the Russian Federal Nuclear Center, told Interfax News Agency. The nuclear nuclear facility is a restricted area located in Serov, a tightly guarded top-down or top-secret town surrounded by barbed wire. During the Cold War, the USSR's first atomic bomb was produced at Serov. There are about 20,000 people employed at the facility currently. It has a supercomputer that is capable of one pay-to-flop. The supercomputer is not supposed to be connected to the internet, which was the scientists' undoing once they attempted an online connection to mine cryptocurrency. An alert was sent to the facility's security department, which in turn contacted the Federal Security Service. Quote, as far as we are aware, are aware, a criminal case has been launched against them, the facility's press service said. Um, the last paragraph, it says, according to Ars Technica, there has been so much interest in cryptocurrency mining in Russia that a businessman named Alexei Kol- Kolesnik recently purchased two power plants in the Russian republics Permkrai and Udmurtia with plans of harnessing them for Bitcoin mining. There has also been other attempts to illicitly use corporate systems for mining. Uh, this story speaks for itself. Like, if you work at one of the most tightly guarded research facilities in the country, don't do stuff on the computer that you're not supposed to do. You know they have cameras everywhere. If, if you know that a computer is not supposed to, to be connected to the internet, and that it's a supercomputer, and that it's constantly being monitored, and you connect it to the internet, you cannot be surprised when you get banned. 
And, and did they really think that they were going to be able to mine bitcoins and then somehow keep those bitcoins themselves without being caught? This is absolutely ridiculous. Oh, and by the way, these people are scientists. They know how these things work. They know that everything's being tracked, and they did it anyway. This is crazy to me. Um, I can't think of any reason for this, but uh, that is our Dummy of the Week. Mac, back over to you, buddy. All right. Well, we've got a little something for you where we take a look at some of the laws or cases or patents that might be impacting us in the gaming world. It's a segment we like to call Legalese. And uh, this one doesn't impact gaming quite directly, but because we have a regular um, segment on this show about, uh, about crowdfunding, I figured that crowdfunding was certainly germane to our conversation. Um, so, as you know... Crowdfunding sites, they aren't a store. Even though we might feel like we're buying something, we are, strictly speaking, if you read the fine print, we're not buying something. All we're doing is we're donating money to a cause, and maybe we get a reward. Now, on the flip side, though, the companies like uh, Kickstarter, not quite as much Indiegogo, they like to uh, they like to claim that they're going to do their best to screen out things that won't you know that won't produce uh, or that uh, that don't produce something um, or that aren't viable. Um, but uh, but of course things always get through. Well, normally I like to focus on legalese in the United States, being that that's where I have the most uh, understanding of general laws but this one was just too good to pass up as it <clears throat> comes from a court in England so um, a type of computer that was not especially popular in the United States but very popular in the UK and Europe is the Sinclair ZX Spectrum or ZX Spectrum um, uh, there's some history there but I, I think the uh, the important thing to note is that it was very popular back in the uh, back in the 80s and 90s, and there was a crowdfunding push to try and make one of those uh, one of those sort of uh, connect to television versions. You know the ones, Mr. Nice Guy, like that Frogger thing where you yeah. connect it to the TV and it's got Frogger on it. Yeah. Um, uh, except for this one was going to be a unit that would connect and it would be able to play um, as if it were a Sinclair ZX. So um, uh, Retro Computers is the name of the group that was doing this crowdfunding thing. And they were sued <clears throat> successfully in... Uh, in the Luton County Court, where District Judge Clark um, ruled against Retro Computers, finding that there was a contract of sale between Morton, the, the plaintiff, uh, his name was Morton, and Retro Computers. He sued them for 584 pounds, 85 pounds for the pledge that he gave for the ZX Spectrum, five pounds for the shipping that he of course paid and the rest for travel expenses and things you know uh, surrounding the court date um additionally the judge found on uh, found the fine print on indiegogo does not negate a contract of sale there was still an implied agreement between morton and retro computers and retro computers had breached the contract by not delivering a, spe a ZX Spectrum. So, um, as we know, the rulings of a, of a district court, a county court, or anything like that, don't always tend to uh, feed up all the way through a country or through a world, but at the very least, in Luton County, if you have a crowdfunding company that you have pledged money to, um, crowdfunding is now essentially a contract, uh, more of a contract and less of a donation now. So, yeah, if you uh, have some money that you want to get back from your crowdfunding, uh, from a crowdfunding campaign, uh, be sure to take the case and move it to that court. There you and go. that is a little bit of legalese for you today. Dude, that's awesome. That's good to know. That gives me some more faith in crowdfunding. Seriously. That's good news. 
Well, kids, adults, everyone who's here and who is listening in your car, on the bus, wherever you may be, that's pretty much our show. Thank you for tuning in for episode 59. Now, we do have one last segment that we like to do before we go called What We've Been Watching and What We've Been Playing, where we talk about just that, the things that we've been watching, the things that we've been playing. And you do the same thing in the chat. You let us know what nerdy stuff you've been into because we're always looking for more nerdy stuff to watch and nerdy stuff to play. Mac, why don't you take it take it away and start us off, man? Sure. So uh, what I've been playing, well, I've been watching Mrs. The Mac play Super Mario Brothers 3. Yep. Um, I have been playing a little bit of Pokemon, Pokemon Red. Um, as it turns out, uh, I tried following. I kind of had... On one screen, I had the speedrun route for Pokemon Red, glitchless, up on one screen, and the emulator up on the other, and uh, for a thing, you know, for Pokemon Red, which has a uh, speedrun thing of time of like an hour and a half, uh, I was able to give it a first try at about four hours, which I think is pretty reasonable considering that... uh, Now, I'm not... In the practice of speedrunning, you understand. Years, this was this was just experimentation. You understand. Yeah. Just just trying it out. Um. Uh. But as as it goes, um. I was pretty thrilled by uh by being able to play through it in uh, you know a little over four hours. Um. There were some things. I mean, I have fond memories of that game, but it took me significant, long significantly longer back in the day. Um. Uh, let's see, what else? Uh, Super Mario Series, that. Um, as far as watching, Mrs. The Mac and I have been watching Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Um, and uh, while it's definitely a mature rated show, so uh, so you wouldn't want to watch it around the kids, um, <laughs> it, uh, it it basically, did you if you enjoyed kind of Flight of the Concords, um, it has a very Flight of the Concords vibe to it, which is which is really cool. But that's what Mrs. The Mac and I have been playing and watching. How about you, Mr. Nice Guy? Man, so I have... Uh, welcome to the stream, by the way, Matter Project. Everyone give a nice nerd welcome to Matter Project. I believe it's his first time here uh, hanging out with us. We do this every Tuesday, so thanks for tuning in. Um, I've been watching... What have I been watching? Oh, we just started watching Suits. Have you heard of Suits? Mm. I have heard of Suits. It's good. It's fantastic. So the premise is this guy uh, pretends to have a Harvard law degree, gets hired. The guy who hires him knows he does not really have a law degree, but he's intelligent enough that he can kind of fake his way through. So that's where we're at there. Um, what else have we been watching? <sighs> that's really it. We've been watching that. We've been watching a lot of Psych. And Mac, I just got to say, I know you know that I'm not telling the truth. Dude, I feel like that show uh, is like mine and your relationship, kind of. Uh, the two characters, not really. Oh, tell both, me I'm Bert and Guster. Tell yeah. me I'm. Tell me I'm Gus. Of course. Of course. Yes. Yeah. Of course. I'm the quirky one. Uh, or no, wait, wait, wait. Dang it. Because I'm. You're the responsible one, though. Not really, though, because I'm goofy. Because I do comedy, so it, okay, it, it okay, depends yeah. on the day. It depends on the day. Oh, oh well, uh, really. When it comes down to it, we're you know, aren't we all a little bit, a little bit, uh, Sean and a little bit Gus? I think so. We're also all a little bit JD and a little bit Turk. If we're uh, if we're going for interracial bromances, it's guy love. That's it all is. it is. <laughs> we're both married to our respective wives who are female. Not that we judge anyone who lives their life differently. Anyway, back to Have what I've Have you not been... heard that song, Mister Nice Guy? What song is that? Guy love. It's literally the song JD and Turk yeah, sing about their bromance. Okay, okay, yeah. gotcha. I've watched I was, Scrubs I in was a expecting long time. for a refrain, really, but you know, but we're okay. That show was so good, man. Now you know they're they're doing on side note, they're doing all these remakes of old classic shows, you know, they're like Full House, Fuller House and all this nonsense. They should bring Scrubs mm-hmm. back. Uh, they really should. I don't know if it's old enough for them to reboot it. Uh, but I'd love to see more episodes of Scrubs. I think it was a hilarious show. Great writing. Anyway, um, what have I been playing? I've been playing a lot of Monster Hunter World. Fantastic game. I think it's going to win Game of the Year. I don't think anyone can come out with something that will top it as far as depth uh, and as far as uh, it's just a well-polished experience. I've been playing some 1942 uh, on the Retro Pie. 
Oh, what else have I been playing? Super Mario Odyssey with the kids. They really have me playing ARMS a lot on the Switch. Um, played some Puyo Puyo Tetris tonight with Mrs. Nice Girl. Just uh, just warming up for the show, getting in the gaming mood. And uh, I've been playing a lot of PUBG on the Xbox as well. That game is amazing if you like that type of game. Uh, and that's pretty much it for what I've been watching and what I've been playing. Now, Mac, do you want to read what the people have been playing and watching in the chat? Absolutely. For watching, we've got Altered Carbon, Cloverfield Paradox from a couple of different things, uh, from different people, um, Divorce Season 2. Uh, we've got, let's see, uh, yeah, watching Cops reruns on lunch break. Interestingly enough, in case you didn't know, there was a an episode, it was a... Um, an X-Files Cops crossover that, if I remember properly, aired during the normal Cops time. That's fine. Um, I could be wrong, but it was fan-freaking-tastic. Um, uh, let's see. As for what our friends have been playing, we've got Stellaris, Wasteland 2, um, Dragon Ball Fighter Z, Shadow of the Colossus, the HD remake that recently has come out, Assassin's Creed Origins, and Splinter Cell Conviction. Mr. Nice Guy loves that Splinter Cell. I'm typing to Galvatron right now. I forgot that I can just talk to him because he's my, on my friend list on Xbox. I can't believe you have Splinter Cell Conviction, man. It's a great Splinter Cell, but there's no Spyverse Mercs. If I still had it, I would totally play with you. Uh, it's a fantastic game. If it's your first time through, please enjoy it. It's not your traditional Splinter Cell. Lots more gadgets, lots more explosives, but still a classic game. Um, Mac, I, th I say we... Oh, one thing I wanted to say. There's a game I think you would love, Mac. And I don't uh -huh. think you should buy it. I think you should watch some YouTube on it, but it's called Celeste. And, oh, uh, Celeste. Yes, I've seen that, and I think I would love it. I'm very much considering picking it up see and it's weird because i'm at the point now where when i hear about a game like that and it's pretty much universally adored i'm like yeah i want to play that but i want to play it when i really can enjoy it mm. and and it's you know as you get older once again you have less time and it's like if i buy that game i'm not even gonna have time to enjoy it right now i'm gonna wait and then at that point i'm like i'll just wait till it's on sale so i'm sure i'll get to celeste at some point it looks fantastic also, for all you comedy nerds out there, the man, the myth, the legend, Chris Rock tweeted out today that at midnight he is releasing a new comedy special on Netflix. It's the first one he's released in over a decade. So if you like Chris Rock, stay up till midnight, check that out. And, uh, and we're going to wrap the show up. Now, I know a couple of you who are in here right now are new. We do this every Tuesday, 9 p.m. Central Standard, 8 p.m. Mountain. Uh, we also are on iTunes, Two Nerds in a Pod. Hit us up, leave a rating, subscribe, share it with your friends. We need your support. We love your support. Uh, we'll see you next week. Same bad place, same bad time, same bad times. Keep it nerdy, y'all. Deuces. <laughs>